0: Disclaimer. No data subjects were harmed in the making of this podcast. Welcome to the Privacy Bar and Bands podcast. We make privacy awareness simple. Seat back, relax, and grab your darkest privacy myths and misconceptions. Your mind-boggling experience begins in 5,
1: 4, 3, 2, 1.
2: <laughs> oh, team, and and <laughs> anyway, Wait, so oh love drink so anyway so I'm using to <laughs> keep the next <laughs> <laughs> next question next next hello hello people of the of the PBB world the seriously and serious audience Hi, everyone <laughs> 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 ah, how is everybody's their week going?
1: Well, my my week was amazing. My amazing, and okay, no, that's not true. My week wasn't amazing. It wasn't a great week, actually. It wasn't a great week. I'm not gonna lie, it wasn't a great week. But we hope the we hope the coming week will be better. This is why it does not. This is why it does not pay to tell lies. You know when you
2: tell a lie and then you realize that you've told a lie.
0: <laughs> um, the week has been really great. Um, I mean, quite a number of things are. That- kept me really busy this week but yeah um, um it's it's uh i mean i look forward to you know whatever it is you have in stock for me uh whatever it is you have in stock for me today
2: you know the fun thing is donako please can you tell them about a little trap for ridwan Our little trap for ridwan i don't know what you're talking about trap for ridwan well one? okay fine i don't know, fine. What you're talking about. If you know it's okay If you're not mischievous, me I am. So we have we told Ridwan. In fact, we we told Ridwan he's coming to do an episode. We told him nothing about like what he'll be doing on the episode. So this is literally a blind episode. Like Ridwan has no clue what we have for him, but we have something amazing. Like he's not going to believe it. He'll be shook, you know. Um. So actually, before we go on, we should probably introduce Ridwan as well. am i the one taking the honors or is it you who is the person that's going to do the i, I
1: cannot, I cannot
2: okay. i'm happy it. i'm happy to do this on behalf of both of us so <clears throat> i bring to you ridwan lady ridwan is a cp cipm certified privacy practitioner who has earned the distinguished status of a fellow in privacy the coveted fip ha uh-huh. ha he is our executive producer here at Privacy Rambans. He's also Dolly's Augar at um Tech Hive because yes. he's the tech policy lead. He's a research fellow at the African Academy of Academic Network on Internet policy. He was also the legal influencer of the year T M so we have Privacy Royalty in the house. Um well, how are you feeling? global champion. Um, um what what's that word that you always say? That, what's that word that you always say? The shape the
1: course that was the um what now? What's that word you always say? I'll be that phrase. So I can't remember it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Global audience.
2: Yes, we know we are. We are very aware. But um we bring to you the um Amazing, we do for free. You didn't have to pay for a ticket to watch him or listen to him. We brought him your way free. I think we deserve a round of applause for this great honor that we have. This great service we have done humanity. Um, it's not easier to book time with our 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 executive producer.
0: again to continue all these parts. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Anyway, so Redwan, welcome to the podcast as a guest member. Uh, I be a member as a guest. Um, you are a very special guest indeed. Um, so I guess that we will probably start with our time, but ba- I be time or not. That be our our most important um, segment. The tradition of the Privacy Bam band bands podcast, which is the rapid fire segment. So Redwan, in this segment, you have to answer as many privacy related questions in under one minute in, in within one minute anyway so i will leave um dolly to do us the service of reading you the questions whilst i would um provide the timer
0: make sure you read the questions very well
1: so are this is ready? a very hot seat you are on read one. are you ready Ridwan, All right, let's go. We go on, you know that you are very important to me, and this shouldn't, you know, this rapid fire session shouldn't determine our relationship. After, you know, let's let's <laughs> no bad blood, no bad blood. All right. Anyway, so timer, timer set.
2: Yes, timer set. Do you have the questions ready, Dalapo? Yes, I do. Okay, Ridwan, your time starts. Are you ready, Redwan?
1: Okay. Yeah. Your time starts now. How many countries in the world have privacy regulations? You can skip.
0: Uh, slightly above 160 now. Yeah, go on.
1: What is the most important data protection principle?
0: I'm a big fan of fairness.
1: How many legal bases for processing ordinary data are provided in the GDPR? Six. How many data protection principles are under the GDPR? Seven. What is your worst privacy nightmare?
0: We take your privacy seriously.
1: Okay, what does CIPM stand for?
0: Certified Information Privacy Manager.
1: What does IAPP stand for?
0: International Association of Privacy Professionals.
1: Midman actually got almost all our answers correctly. You know, so this is you know what
2: wow i really thought we were doing something yes yeah <laughs> oh my god do you know what okay
1: well i don't know i actually
2: wasn't because i was so taken aback by how many questions you were getting right i don't even think i counted how many questions he answered correctly he got
1: six I- questions right
2: oh wow six was counting anyway see i thought we were already doing something right and then clearly we didn't but anyway we move we move we'll still catch him there's something else we've laid another trap in front don't think that you can go don't think that you have won because you have managed to you know scale the first fence there's so many others shall shall prosper (laughs)
0: you are the weapon fashion against me
2: shall prosper exactly shall (laughs) prosper Anyway, I mean, I don't even know what yeah. to say. I think you need so, time to recover. The lack of call For every
1: episode, we get to ask our audience, like, or sorry, our our guests, what's like your biggest privacy means Like something that people say about privacy that's totally untrue, right? But it's, it's widely said.
0: Uh, definitely for me, top of the list would be, um, what do I have to lose? You know, it's, it's a phrase I hear a lot. What do I have to lose? And you know. People, I've heard people say things like, um, is it not just giving up my information or just filling up a form? And for those who are actually obsessed with completing every information line in the form, I know the question is always, what do I have to do? So yeah, I find that um, really, really weird. And I hear sometimes, you know, privacy professionals also, you know, say it, is that some privacy professionals say it, is that when people ask about, or when they you know, trying to get opinion of privacy professionals about what can they do to stop privacy violation. People tend to say things like, oh, read the privacy notice, mm. but then, yeah, you can read the privacy notice, um, but then what if the privacy notice is not generally reflective of you know, processing activities? It's useless.
1: Mm. It doesn't
0: help anyone. It doesn't help the data subject. For example, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. It doesn't inform. because. I mean, not even where we've done multiple research and we've seen situations where, you know, a privacy notice says something and something else is being done, whether technically or even from a product point of view. Yeah. Or situations where um, privacy notices are auto generated, they are templates, they are mm. copycats of some other temp- notices that doesn't maybe really fit the context of you know the processing itself. Mm. So uh, if a notice is not generally reflective of, um, the processing activities is useless. It's not informing. Of course, you can, you know, argue it's a violation of transparency principle. But the point I'm making is um the thing about you know privacy notice being that thing that would truly inform people and uh, can take away you know people's pain point about privacy violation. I think you need to stop.
1: So um I I totally agree, right? I think our last um, guest talked about. Um, he said his biggest was what's the um. What's the big deal with privacy? Like, why should it matter to me, right? So what What does privacy mean to the common man? And these things are really, are really stuff that we hear people say every day. So, really true. Uh, if
0: I can add one more.
1: Sure. Oh yes, please, please feel free. Uh, something else
0: I would also like to say is, um, you know, the role of. Privacy notices being framed as contract or agreements. I think that's something else that also, you know, you hear conversations like, "Oh, you agreed to the privacy, to the privacy, to the privacy notice or to the privacy policy." And if you look at provision of most data protection laws that creates the obligation to either specifically have a privacy notice or talks about transparency as a principle, or basically just say, "Um, "Before you commence processing, you know, these are the information you should provide." Mm. Um, there is none you hardly see any of these provisions. I have not seen any of these provisions, especially I mean, I've looked at arbitrarily most laws in Africa, for example, and I never see any of these provisions say, you know, the the, the, the data subjects must, you know, must agree to it. Mm. So uh, that's something else I think needs to stop. It's it's okay. an oblig- it's a legal obligation provide those information. No one needs to agree to whatever. I do.
2: But I think something I was gonna pick up on the on the first on the first one that you mentioned. So I remember like uh there was a research that I, I, I saw and it was talking about how actually not only is it that you suffer you struggle with the issue that privacy notices can't they don't often contain all the information or they don't contain Um, information that is accurate sometimes or that there's templates but also there's the element that privacy notices are also difficult to read and I know that like a lot of the legislations are get towards making them making companies organizations come up with creative ways to give you a privacy notice so that you don't get bored or it's not boring or but I think that a lot of people just generally still struggle with it because it's the length of it it's like Sometimes it's the amount of information and the links here and there. And I, I just wanted to say like that that was a really good point and just, just because of also that I heard as well. Okay. Uh,
1: I was even going to pick up on the first issue. Right. Um, well, so what would you now say would be a good way for data subjects to not protect themselves? Because I mean, reading a privacy notice is definitely not it.
0: I mean, um, not like the advice is completely useless, but I think, you know, it's um, it's just context, right? Yeah. Um, it may be useful if, for example, the notice notice generally true, you know, generally informs, you know, it means the data subject that knows, okay, this is the purpose, this is the lawful basis, this is, you know, all of those informations that the data subjects might need. Um, but then talking about how to stop violation, you know, you don't have one single solution. You know, you don't have a single solution that solves the entire problem. It's a multi-pronged approach so, from you reducing your digital footprint, you using privacy preserving, solutions to also choosing tools, vendors, service providers that you use to, of course, also reading these notices to using so many privacy preserving options or even settings on your own device. So it's a lot of, it's a, and that's, it's, it's not an exhaustive list. It's a multi-pronged approach to really keeping your online life, you know, as as, um, as private as possible or if that's what people want. But then preserving your data in the sense that you know you want some sort of uh, data protection in that sense um, but then the only way to truly truly the digital world is not to be part of it
2: <laughs> so that is actually very interesting so but do you reckon that it's possible in this day and age to really really stay away from it it feels like it's in every single part of your life
0: well I, I know, maybe 100% no, because of course, even if you do exist nowhere, you'd likely exist on a government database. Um, but I know people who have made genuine efforts to have very limited digital footprints. You'd never find them on search engines. Oh, wow. They've made really genuine efforts to keep very limited digital footprints. I've met one of such persons before, and uh, it's really incredible. It's really incredible. I mean, <laughs> it's really incredible. That's all I can say but it, it takes a lot of effort because it means you need to be conscious you need to know everything i mean it means you also deprivation of a lot of things yeah you can't use an online vendor you can or at least you can't you can't you won't be using your real name or purchasing using your card for example and all it's it's i mean i think it takes by design you know being private i mean privacy conscious by design if there's anything yeah.
1: like
0: that, so it's a lot but of it, that i mean i true. think is like so,
1: another conversation altogether. together like it's it's probably something we need to do an episode on honestly
2: but then the, the other thing for me is that is this this approach this this far like pushing and it's not i don't i don't think i don't use extreme in the word of in the sense of it's negative but extreme in the sense of the amount of deprivation you have to do is that really like possible for the for the average man like i understand we privacy people we kind of understand you know what mundane pieces of data can do to you or what happens when this happens when this. So we kind of have an idea, but I think it
1: really takes... defeats it take the whole purpose of... of technology in some... Honestly. yeah To a large extent.
0: The average person cannot be like, you know, the yastic, because first we have difficulty defining who the average person is. Mm. So, um, but then it's again, you know, this is also things that are really subjective. They're really no straight rules. It's, again, what do you want? you want to be truly or fully, <laughs> you know, limit your digital footprint? Or do you want to partially limit your digital footprint? So there are safeguards to actually even control your footprint, which means you can also control you know, the part of you that can be, on, um, you know, being able to invoke rights when you need to invoke them, being able to use, again, privacy-preserving tools from from browsers to plugins to all sorts of things that can really help, or even settings that can help you really minimize you know people creating profile or being able to target you or monitor your online behavior. So um, it takes a lot to be honest, but then it takes being informed as well, because then you know the right solution, you know what the product is doing, you know how the product is, you know how the product works, you know the privacy preserving solutions, you know the privacy preserving offerings, even the kind of phone that you use, for example. Yes. You know, the phone that maybe, some of the default applications that comes with it are embedded with targeting trackers. So it's a lot of information and it may probably almost look like a cycle or something or so we have some sort of obsession. But yeah, it, it takes a lot and a lot of effort to, you know, to be able to create that life.
2: But to be honest, you know, I can't really judge people who who choose that because to be honest, it it's the amount of advertising that comes your way that I think probably, like, it's, it's almost so specific. It kind of is scary for me. I think that's probably the one thing I would say. Like, if, if there was a reason why, um, just off the top of my head, my, without even giving you proper thinking, that I would really, really like to put an end today to, to any sort of, um, or limit my digital footprint, it would be because I'm just sick and tired of getting almost spot-on advertising for some of the things that
1: I, I need whether you need
2: them or you don't
0: <laughs> Interesting. no interestingly i mean i, I really have I, I don't have I don't have a bad relationship with i mean think about how long is actually going to take you to find the things that you need if you need to shop online <laughs> so but yeah. i think where we have concern is whether it's been done responsibly or not but the innovation itself i, I think just like any other innovation depending on, on who's and the states it can either be you know for good or for what other, other purpose or objective so i don't think advertisement itself is really it's really i mean that horrible thing but i think it's we're only concerned when we may only become oh i am only concerned when it's not you know maybe done responsibly
1: in that sense yeah. um for this episode you're basically going to have 21 questions we're going to ask you 21 questions right nothing serious just general privacy stuff but it's 21 questions and, yeah, in, you have, there are three rules, or there's, no, there's one rule, right? You have three lifelines. You can phone a friend. You can ask <laughs> the hosts. That's Iron today, And you can donate something, or you can give out something to the audience, right? So you pick, you pick, if you can answer the question and you finish your lifelines, you have to donate something or give out something to the audience, right? So... Are, are we is how this really a big... things
0: like this it's not fairness
1: sorry i i can't hear this you not fairness. i don't know what you're <laughs> talking about interesting no All but what is the lifeline so i mean it couldn't be more fair i mean how can
0: giving out something be a lifeline and it's at the same time punishment for not getting a question right
1: well that's why we're the host who made
0: these rules <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well I guess you're only staying consistent with what you've told me earlier today. You will being the weapon fashion against me. So yeah, right on, uh, right on Brand.
1: Actually. And the funny thing is, I think they put this episode last night. Like we were just having a random call and she was checking up on me. And we said, Oh, we're having it on tomorrow and we planned the episode in like twenty minutes. And in that twenty minutes we're plotting. Genius. We're not planning, we're plotting this episode. Yeah. So i think we'll just start right so our first question is what's your biggest privacy concern all right
0: i mean there's a long list of things that are considered pain points but um what i'd say is um scares me sometimes is the level of awareness i think is actually incredibly low Um, awareness is a multi-dimensional awareness um, and it depends you know exactly where i speak from Um, people who don't know uh, the businesses who don't know, uh, the businesses who are making efforts but not doing the right thing. Um, then you also talk about sometimes a regulatory approach, you know, to things as well. So I'd say that multidimensional lack of awareness, um, I think, is probably one of the biggest existential, you know, threats to to, to privacy as a as, as a right, as far as I'm concerned.
1: I mean, I totally agree, and I loved when you said multidimensional issue, right? Because sometimes you just feel like the regulators are not really sure what to do. The organizations, a lot of these organizations and companies are also sort of trying to figure out what to do. And then there's now a general lack of knowledge amongst like the data subjects and generally everyone, right? So there's still like a lot of knowledge. There's still a lot of um, there's a lot of things to be learned when it comes to the privacy field, yeah. So I, I totally agree with
0: you so I think again one of the biggest um concerns I have is you know when people make efforts to put privacy measures in place but it's being poorly implemented and then it creates bigger problem than they're trying to prevent and I say this when I see things like cookie banners which is actually meant to give people options but still really don't you know give options in that sense and there are so many examples that I can continue to give so uh, I think the summary is those efforts being put in place to do something, to solve a problem, but then it creates more problem. But well, in the privacy context now, so that that's um, one of the uh, one of the things, uh, one of the biggest nightmares that I have.
1: I mean, I, I mean, this this your concern reminds me of our first episode, where we talked about a school feeling like they want the a school um, who tried to overinterpret the GDPR, and what they did in that instance was to remove everybody's surname, so they started using um they said they attaching numbers to people's name. So, for example, if there are two people named Jack in the class, it would be Jack 1 and Jack 2. And by the way, guys, Yetunde wrote Dolly 1 on my birthday card. I was going to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I forgive you, Yetunde. I forgive you. Hmm. This is not This is not the question we planned for you. But yeah, thank you for sharing your biggest <laughs> privacy concern with us. Um... I think the next question for for me will be, if you could if you could instantly solve one privacy concern, which would it be? Like, instantly?
0: It, uh, it has to be the problem of transparency. Because, hmm. yeah, just one word. If you can solve transparency, I think we make meaningful progress. I mean, everyone is, like, fully clear on what they do, and it's genuinely reflective of what they do.
1: And yeah, but the question really is, how are we going to solve it?
0: Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> so if you ask what's the problem? Transparency, how am I going to solve it? I don't think. I mean, I probably don't have a clear core strategy right now, but if it's, you know, if there's some sort of magical wand that I can just, you know, solve that particular problem, that's one
1: problem I'll pick. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so this this is more of a general question, right? If you could divide the things you do with your time into percentages, right? What would you allocate to what? right? So, maybe say like the maybe most five most important things to you or 10 most important things to you, and I'll give them like percentages.
0: Okay. So, um, I think I would, I would generally like cool things in different buckets. So, family, my professional life, um, what I do, like people I consider my circle. Um, the other bit will be uh, my life as someone who is curious as maybe a researcher and um percentages know what, have the to last put in
1: percentage in,
0: what the last bit will be. Yeah. So for family, uh for me definitely yeah. family cost top of you know everything for me. And I would say uh, it's hard to put in the percentage because I was lots to <laughs> share,
1: for yeah. yeah. Okay. So just just to um guys, my name is also Loy D. I'm I'm part of everyone's family. Just so everybody knows. <laughs>
0: So yeah, my family is like more than half of my life, but because I need to, you know, spread things around, to, I need to give, I need to pass the percent, pass the percentage around. So I'd say let's say 50% of my life. Then um, I typically like to consider myself a lazy person, but often than not, I find my work also, you know, um, taking up a big space in my life because I love white. Uh, that's maybe 100% honest. I love why do I constantly looking for the next thing to do at the same time so yeah i'd say maybe another 25 percent thereabouts um i'm big on my circle and um my circle is really so important to me those are like the people the connections the the network so to say so i'm really a big person on my circle i I think i guide that jealously. so let's say maybe another 15 percent um then i have 10 more left to give out uh, I can't remember the last two buckets of what I'm giving that to, but uh, maybe the curious me wants to solve problems. Maybe I give that another 10. Then five, I give to nothingness. That's the period where I do nothing. Absolutely nothing.
2: Hmm. If you had a wish to change one thing in an African country's regulation, and privacy regulation, what would it be? and what country?
0: If I hear you clearly, what would I like to change in you know, some African data protection laws? Oh, it yes. definitely has to be the requirement to register. It definitely has to be the requirement to register um, because there's this thing I call tick box Olympics where I think people get obsessed with things like registration, filing documents, and it gives a false sense of safety. It gives a false sense of adherence that they're actually complying. Yes, you're complying with that specific requirement. The registration requirements, definitely I would like to see it removed. Um, you know, taken out of so many laws because, yes, people, you know, go around say PR things like, oh, yes, we've registered, we've complied with the law, um, it shows you have complied, and they even should a press statement and stuff like that. <laughs> and I recently wrote about it, you know, where I talked about things like, you know, audit report, registration requirements, or some sort of white safety lifts that, you know, regulators create, and now it creates a false sense of adherence from um, an yeah. organizational yeah. point of view so um again we don't have any empirical evidence that suggests that countries with registration that has registration requirements you know record higher compliance rates than countries who don't and um so so these are like if there's something i would like to take out that's something i would definitely want to see you know rip registration
1: but i mean Um, this is like the approach most um, data protection regulators in africa have, have taken i mean do you think do you have like any just in cases Probably someone from the regulators listening to this. So do you have any um, suggestions as to what approach you think they should be taking? Uh, may- may- maybe
0: not most. I mean, as our last count is roughly about maybe thirteen or fourteen of them, which is a significant number if you consider the fact that they are just about thirty-five companies. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So that's yeah. So um, for me, um, I-, I think we we need to you know we need to rethink we need to rethink it, which is if we want registration for Maybe you want to get a sense of what, what kind of organizations you are regulating. You know, it needs to be clear. That that's exactly what you do. And maybe you need to also be very clear to them or issue like a public or part of it needs to be clear that, you know what, yes, we require registration, but it's not a foolproof of compliance with the entire law. So that disclaimer needs to be clear and people get a sense, that, okay, it's actually not like, you know, an holiday or a safe But once I've registered, then it means maybe I've done everything right. You have only done one thing right at best. So uh, I think that clarity is needed and it needs to be communicated effectively. Um, But another thing I think is a more long-term approach is actually sensitizing both data subjects and the public well enough where the data subjects, which means the public, the people, can drive enforcement when they invoke their rights. The data authority also is doing its job investigating, updating timely on the progress of complaints, and also incentivizing organizations for implementing a comprehensive privacy program. So when you create knowledge body of knowledge you know you create compliance toolkits that makes it very easy for people to that makes it easier for people to do the things they should do. The information is available they can t- even do some things on their own initiative without necessarily bringing in a stance that might be cost, especially for MSMEs. Mm. So I think they can have that longer term approach to, you know to compliance than just you know they come and register and all of these things and collect on which for me, I just think is just um, one of the things I think they do it is just to create another pipeline for for resource or for revenue for the authorities, which isn't bad anyway, considering the fact that uh, they may be poorly funded and sometimes. So yeah,
1: think... but they
0: need to be clear about what is really meant for and to what extent you know, it it's, it's really serves. I mean, I mean that
1: gets quite, quite a lot of insight into what should be done. And I mean, I totally agree with you. But okay. on to our next question: Are you remember you have three lifelines, so? do you think data protection is more of an economic strategy or a human rights?
0: Um, I think you can take a multi-pronged approach. Um, again, it depends on how it's been implemented in different countries. Um, it could be if it's purely human rights, yes, it protects people. But there are also businesses, and there are also business objectives. And I think businesses should do business. But they should do it responsibly within the ambit of, you know, what may be permissible by the law. So, um, I mean, I typically hear people say things like, "Data protection laws are not—they don't they don't kill innovations. Rather, they make innovations safer. Um, They don't kill businesses. They are not clogs on, you know, businesses. Rather, they make sure businesses are doing things both ethically, um, legally, and also responsibly. So, I think when laws are designed with intentions like that, are not really you know, uh, squeeze things. Uh, I think it, it makes it better. Um, every everybody wins.
1: Um. Yeah. I I I think I sort of align with what you just um said. I mean, I think it's a bit it's a bit of both. Not a bit. It's majorly both of them combined. So I mean, yeah.
2: I know it's my turn to take a question. <clears throat> I'm just thinking of which one I should ask. I feel like this is like a you know you have anyway um okay so what is the biggest privacy violation that you have experienced personally
0: Uh, uh, so i have a small story which i wrote as part of um i think the last article i put out so there was one time i had to use a food app to request for food and i think i was able to request my first meal but subsequently they asked me to we're going to do a kyc and i felt um, a food app is not necessarily a financial service provider in that sense. You're only meant to facilitate, you know, connect food vendors
1: and
0: the willing buyer. And I honestly felt that was really no, because I, I didn't sign up with it with my real name. So I, I, I saw there was no need for me to know, for them to know who I am. In any event, uh, when they were asking to do KYC for me to upload my ID, I, I felt uncomfortable. And Contrary to Apple's team rules these days, but they didn't have an option for me to delete my accounts within the app so i had to send them an email that i want my account deleted and um, they did um but then and i felt really i mean i felt really proud like yes because they are putting in minutes i'm not even talking about five minutes they implemented it right immediately the i lost access into the accounts and it felt really good But weeks after or days after i started receiving you know, marketing emails from them. And I really do still receive marketing emails from them to date. So, you know, at that point in time, I had to go read, you know, this service provider. I had to okay, what do you probably even have in your privacy notice? Then I found out the privacy notice itself was even written in Portuguese and not in in English for an English-serving audience. So, um, yeah, that, that was something really concerning. And like what, what I intend in that my, my my article, it's an organization that has done some form of compliance under local laws. For example, they could easily have put out, you know, also a PR statement saying we've, we've complied with the you know, the name of that particular law. But yeah, that's one of those one of the one of the very few personal stories that I have that I think um, shows sometimes how difficult it is to so, you know, to really do
1: data protection. Um, don't so this question, right? Um. It's one of you're supposed to give us steps as to steps that you would take, right? So, if someone stole your identity, what would you do?
0: Identity theft is one of really those difficult things that you don't want to happen to. you I mean, you don't pray it happens to your enemy. It's really so difficult to because it's borderline illegality. So, the legal measures that you have might not really catch up so fast because at the end of the day, you probably want to involve law enforcement and mm-hmm. really things move at your pace. Um, but then one of the key things you really want to do first is um, locking down on your most important, um, you know, by priority, notifying your financial service providers or other service providers that you use, for example, that maybe, you know, access to you, maybe your account, for example, should be locked, that, you know, this is really happening. But then that's also if you find out, because it's possible, you know, it can go on for a long time or you may never find
1: that. Exactly. But so, well, those are like some of the
0: quick actions you want to to take. Uh ending it is not as straightforward. It might need a lot of changing you know, changing access to so many accounts that you may have, changing passwords. Um and it depends on, you know, what identity is being stolen itself. Um if it's like something like a misidentification, of identification, I mean see what we have in the digital lending space where people's numbers are being used to you know to take loans. So it can really be a disaster and it's borderline illegality. So those legal measures may... Honestly, not work as fast in your favour as you may want them, but um, they are there and um, they, they are there to, to to expert as well. But like I said, some of the key things you want to do first is to minimise the impact on you first. That's I think should be priority, Or one of the priorities rather, uh, minimising the impact. And, you know, from there, law enforcement, hopefully they are able to help you stop the crackdown, or maybe find a technical solution. Maybe people who can do open source intelligence for you to identify who the person is. You know, some security expert might also be able to help in that sense. But yeah. Um, those are the things I would think about first. Yeah. Minimizing the impact. That, that would be like first line. I
1: mean, interesting to see Redwan that you mentioned bank accounts. Because I mean, that's one really important part of anybody. <laughs> that's one important thing that everybody will want to protect. But I mean, yeah, really true. You can even go on for years without anybody knowing. And that's why digital footprint, you need to, we all need to reduce our digital footprints. I'd be mean, one reason anyway that we need to do that. You know, this this um this next question is sort of like a it's sort of every it's sort of something that every privacy um, every everybody in the privacy space has to deal with, right? So talk about a situation where you took a totally normal conversation and turned into a privacy conversation.
0: Okay, I'm asking you about situations like that. Yeah. We are nice people. And there is technology, there is likely going to be a privacy issue. So yeah, a simple conversation like that can definitely cascade into a data protection conversation.
1: Do you want to share? Do you have any? Does any instance come to mind?
0: Um, okay, let me think about it. Okay. Okay. So um, I think um, we are uh, recently. We're having a conversation. Uh, Someone reached out to me about, you know, the resource for maybe a research on Metaverse. And I think the person was researching the risk and then going through a rabbit hole and was just talk- more talking about the risk of, okay, what's the virtual space going to look like? And then in between, it, you know, um, data protection sort of, you know, really there again, maybe ugly or fine, I don't know. So, uh, I mean, simple, not necessarily simple, but you know some basic everyday conversation like that, asking to you know raising privacy doors. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I I mean I I, I can I'll say that I, I've had so many situations like that. I, I mean just random family conversations, and everybody just sitting. I'm thinking hmm, privacy concern, and I, I'm skeptical about sharing because I'm like I'm not sure they're going to get it. So moving on. Uh, so, I mean, so this question is totally not privacy related. Top three favorite movies?
0: Uh, I love the Rocky Balboa franchise. Uh, I love the Rocky, I love the Expendables. And, uh, how to win a Christmas, I think that's <laughs> oh. Okay. I,
1: I've, I've seen that, but I haven't, I haven't, I've seen the advert, but I haven't started watching it. So maybe it's something you to do this holiday.
0: You should start saying it. It's for Christmas. Don't worry. Over the over the holidays, you can you can catch up on it.
1: I I really will. What is your biggest
2: till date? What is your biggest career move? Boldest and biggest. What are they? So I don't know if they're the same or
1: they're different. I,
0: I think the the craziest decision or craziest career decision I've made was um, leaving a a paying job to you know start off. To start up the archive, to to found to start up the um in 2019, where <laughs> yeah I have to say, then I'm getting into all the details. But yeah, it was was the boldest move that I've made. So before then, I've always had this track record of leaving jobs without necessarily having the next one. So um, but then. Doing it that way at that stage of my life was um, maybe the boldest thing I've, I've done. And looking back, maybe I wasn't so bold, but at that point in time, in that context, mm. it was the boldest move that I, I've made from a career point
2: So, just to kind of um, follow up, let's complete the question. And I'm not setting you up for a trap here. You can choose not <laughs> to answer. But um, what would you say is the career move that you made that you're thinking back on and you're like, Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Um,
0: definitely would be. And I, I, didn't want it, but then the um, situation. Then, I mean, I, I literally can't say you know the entire details now. but mm. I think it was um right after my service here, the first job that I took. I, I didn't want it. I didn't want to, but um the circumstance then uh, made me do it. But then I, 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 it was one of those things I walked away from too. You know. I just know I wasn't meant to be, and yeah, I, I did what was best for me. I've never been scared about you know walking away from things or doing what I consider the best for me. So yeah.
2: Hmm. I think I think that's that's interesting. That's actually interesting.
1: Um, I hope like you're taking notes. Like well, I'm taking notes too. I
2: am. Too. I'm taking notes. I, <laughs> I am. I am absolutely. Um, I yeah. mean I don't even need to take notes since this is a podcast, I'm just going to listen to it again and again and wrap um, and
1: Angle Exactly okay, our
2: okay, uh, uh, number of uh, number of plays. What
0: um, are you guys on to?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what are we on to? Um hmm. like we said, this episode is not really isn't anything like structured it was supposed to be a blind episode. Mm. So we're just asking. Now I can
0: not trust the two of you with my life. <laughs> a, lot
2: speak of our questions, <laughs> a lot of our questions on this episode have actually come from the hearts. They're not even. I mean, we have a script of questions that we plan to ask, but we asked a lot of questions that were not even, you know, on the
1: I don't trust the two of the you. <sighs> you know, this is.
2: We, this trust we trust you, and that's all that matters. It, it, it's called a trust. You have to do a trust fall sometimes. Just believe that we will not lead you astray and just fall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for uh, um yes, but thank you so much for coming on this episode Rid- with I wanted to ask you actually just just because we can ask you because we have you here and you're sitting here, and this is the hot seat um that the me have created um I wanted to ask you what if I asked you to like comment about one thing right now, what would it be? It could be anything, it could be privacy, it could be non privacy related, it could be yeah, anything like something that you actually just want to like just comment about that you feel should be heard about or spoken about <laughs>
0: definitely has to be on networks
1: <laughs> mm. okay so sharp
2: fire they're going to I think that if we're going to go into that conversation, we probably would want to mention the name of the networks that are causing this. I think it's just one. Do we use the same service provider, right?
1: Favorite podcasters? Note that you only have one option, right? It's either a yes or yes answer. So who are your favorite podcasters?
0: So, uh, so I'm going to, like, really confess. I have not... I'm probably a bit of old school, so I've had very limited podcasts. I can literally count them on my hands. Yeah. So I'm not sure I've yeah. listened to so many. That's
1: that's the F20 point. F20. You only have one option. There's like only one correct answer in this situation. <laughs> There's only one correct okay, you my
0: answer. Favorite
1: Thank you. I am to today. My
0: life
1: <laughs> exactly. You are here, my favorite exactly. Now you have it right. Well well done on this question. That's that's the first answer you're giving all the <laughs> But yeah, thank you
2: so much for going on the
1: episode. Um, We're glad to have had But you. I mean, it thank you. All right. You. Thank you so much, Hedon, for doing this with us. I hope you had as much fun as we did.
0: Uh, no, all I had was bullying, but yeah, it was, it was <laughs> it's been a pleasure being
2: here with you. Ah, the, the unfortunate thing is that you cannot do anything about it because guess what? You are our executive producer, so i don't really know if there's anywhere where you can throw us you know all
0: right we're stuck all we're right. stuck we're stuck that's fine then.
2: okay thank you everyone for listening to this episode
0: all right thank you
2: anyways until next time yeah you it means our our lovely dpo and i Itende. this episode was sponsored by ikigai innovation initiative and was brought
1: to you by tech hive advisory and a big shout out to our executive producer, Ridwan the associate producers Dola and Yetunde. This podcast was
2: edited by Ayofe Aino, shout out to her, and our podcast associate, Victoria Adaramola, and graphics by Okwe Abujadi.